1029 The Hog presents another Bob and Brian podcast. This Bob and Brian On Demand is brought to you by Marcus Theaters. There's a big difference between watching a movie and getting lost in one. Find out what Marcus Theaters means by getting tickets to a hot new release at MarcusTheaters.com. Time to talk music news with our music expert, Gary Graff. Good morning, Gary. How are you? All right. How are you guys? We're good. That's good. Uh, it, would, it would be tough to have a worse week than Jan Winter. Probably. <laughs> I, I he, saw... get, he gets to go back to his, you know, Hamptons estate and his his cushy existence. So let's not feel too sorry other than that he's clearly fallen, taken a great fall in stature. He could just fold up and not work another day and be fine. Friend, which is fine. what he's pretty much doing. No. Right. You know, he hasn't been, people don't realize, he hasn't been running Rolling Stone for a number of years now. And his, his role at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation is, you know, has, has you know, decreased as well in, so, in his retirement. So his book that's coming out that he was promoting, mm-hmm. what is it called? The, called The Masters. The Masters, yes. And it's uh, him talking with or about... Springsteen, Pete Townsend, uh, who else was on the list? Uh, Springsteen, Townsend, Jagger, Bono, um, Dylan. And he was asked uh, during an interview. Why are these all white? Why are these all white guys? And he gave him an answer for the ages. He he said something really stupid, you know, basically saying that, you know, you know, women and black artists do not, you know, basically aren't aren't worthy is what he said. And he, he didn't just generalize it. He said talk to Grace Slick. Right. Joni yeah. Mitchell doesn't rise to this right. I mean he, he he picked people out and said it was amazing. And you know, I'm sh- listen, I'm sure in nineteen sixty eight or nineteen sixty nine having having a lengthy intellectual discourse with Grace Slick or Janis Joplin or Nate, pick your male music, white male musician in 68, 69 may have been challenging, you know, in those great years, in those years of great drug use. <laughs> you yeah. know, it may have been, it may have been, you'd have to pick your spots and uh, get lucky. But, you know, he's wrong. But, I, you know, the, the fact of the matter is he is wrong. But now, Everyone who was a Jan Winter fan said, "Yes, he's 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 a wonderful guy. He's really helped with our cause." They have to wonder what he really believes, right? Right, right, absolutely. You know, I because mean, his liberal his his magazine led or leaned left. I mean, yeah, right? it leaned it leaned counterculture, right? Which was you know you know certainly left back then, still does. Um, but uh, you know, but he. It was a, it's a stupid comment. It's an incorrect. It's a factually incorrect, you know, position to have, attitude or belief to have. It's a stupid thing to say in public. <laughs> no, certainly, right. and it cost him. You know, it's cost him. You know, regard. I cost him his spot on the board of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know how much he cares or doesn't care. I don't know. Yeah, they had to call um, an emergency meeting. Yeah, about that weekend, it yeah. took all of twenty minutes to get him out of there. The only <laughs> the only person who voted to keep him on was uh, John Landau, Bruce Springsteen's manager, who was an early writer and editor of Rolling Stone, and who who defended it or rationalized it. And so, as, what's the fallout going to be for him not voting to get rid not, of? Not, not much. Not much because okay. he's not he's he's not a public figure. 
you know, so there's really not. I don't think people are going to boycott or cancel Bruce Springsteen over something like this. I think I think if you're one of the one of the masters who was interviewed in the book, it's it's a little it diminishes that you know your inclusion in the book. Even oh right, I'd, you got I'd, endorsed I'd read, by by this guy. Oh I'd yeah, read, great. And I'd read yeah I'd read most of the book prior to this happening. And, you know, these are very good interviews. I mean, the John Lennon is the famous Lennon Remembers interview from 71, you know, where he just went off on, you know, he basically revealed his thoughts and attitudes about the Beatles for the first time ever. And, you know, that's a historic interview. They're all they're all very good interviews, but then, you know, but they've been diminished, you know, by Jan's comments. They were also diminished when he revealed in the same interview that he lets these people go through the interviews and edit them as they wish. You know, oh, that really? Kind of, that kind of puts a, you know, that makes you, that so makes can, you think a little differently. They can go it. weed the garden, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he claimed that it was mostly, you know, grammatical things, contextual things, this and that. But, you know, the bottom line is you're in an enterprise where, you know, your your subjects are not supposed to have that sort of oversight. On the interview, you're supposed to have journalistic ind- independence. And... Too bad no one did that for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he wasn't or really good. not too bad, right. actually. So he wasn't uh, showing that yeah. courtesy. Yeah, it's a bad, bad, it's a bad, bad black spot on what had been a, a pretty notable career. Have you ever had anybody contact you after you did an interview with them and say, can you, uh, can you keep that out of there? Not, can you not put that in? I have. I have. Um, okay. sometimes, I've, sometimes I've had it happen in real time, you know, where right after they say it, um, they'll, you know, they'll ask about it. shouldn't have said it. that. And, no, forget and that. And it's open, it's open to discussion. Um, you know, the fact of the matter, the bottom line is you said it. So what are we going to do about that? Do you want to say more about it? Do you, do you want to contextualize it more? Do you as, a, to... as a writer, do you look at it as getting the genie back in the bottle? You said it. I asked you, know, you some... that's what you said. That was your answer. And... In, its, in its best form, it's an opportunity to get it said better, you know, to get to get the, the subject to expound on it and maybe get more and maybe get better stuff. So you never close that door entirely. You know, you always leave leave open the opportunity to improve what what happened. And, you know, I, I find I've found by and large, we still it still gets said, but they'll tell me more. You know, and they'll they'll expound upon what they were talking about, and and that's usually better than than just the glib comment they may or that they may have made. So this interview that Jan Winter was doing was set up to promote book sales, book. right? Which so it probably this, still will. Does this help or hurt book sales? You know, it's it's such a wacky world. I I my sense is it probably helps it a little more because people will be like, well, what's the fuss about? Let me check this out. Um, you know, there are again, there are some big names and some very notable and historic interviews in the book. And you know, it's a shame they have to have that black spot on them now because they're if you're a rock and roll fan or a fan of any of these artists, these are very interesting interviews. But here's how my brain works now after I thought about it for a while. Do you do this on purpose just to, because, you know, Jan Wenner uh, did a book, right. he did these interviews. Okay, people know about it. But now how many more people know about this book because yeah. he said that in the interview? If if that was his thought process, it's deeply flawed okay. only, only because it it, it – 
it's it's very negative. You know, there are ways there are ways to do sensational and provocative things that are that are po- that wind up being positive. This this is not and will never be. Okay. He was talking to the New York Times. New York he Times. had to know. Uh, oh yeah. You know, well, that's a big wonder, interview. Listen, Jan is a man of a certain age now. Is he starting to get to that certain age where you, you know, you're not you're not thinking as quick as maybe you should? I don't know. Um, right. It felt like that. It felt it, it felt like a, and you know, and he's been at he's been at the top of this mountain for so long. There is a certain amount of arrogance. So, oh, don't know, we sure know he, it? Don't yeah. we know it? So I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, I'm Ask sure us a, a question. I'm sure when he was saying it at the time, he didn't think he was saying anything wrong. Yeah, possibly. You know, I mean, watch... if I were if I were asked if I had done what he did and were asked that question, I would have just said, "Look, these are nine great interviews from from people I'm very close with, and I felt like I wanted to share them in a book." I might have even said. I'm an old guy. You're not going to find me having a great conversation with a rapper. It was jaw dropping when I when I saw what he oh, said. It it, it somebody, like... <laughs> somebody of that stature and that that intellect would say something like this is is just ridiculous. Did you watch a football game last night on I did. Prime? I so did. you saw the 49ers and the Giants. Giants lost. 49ers beat them. But did you see they had to put new turf down. Yes, during the game. No. Yep. Uh, before the game, before it was game. installed yesterday, I think, because there's an Ed Sheeran concert. Right. And what's the name of that stadium now? Oh, uh, 49ers. Oh, Levi well, Stadium. Right. Yeah, and they kind of the, the fans kind of tromped and stomped. And not that it was worse than they thought. They replaced that turf three times a year. Yeah. They knew they were going to do it after, after the Ed Sheeran concert, and the NFL has to come in and check the bounce factor. Uh huh. Does the ball bounce? That's- the ball bounce to the sure. people bounce. You sure. know, does yeah, the turf, like an, you know. the turf, does the turf right. have a little give? Because you know they're saying that's what happened to to Mister Rogers in you know in New York right. with the with the, the unforgiving turf. But there's other Ed Sheeran news. Uh, there is. So he's got. We mentioned this before that he had an album uh, that was, was going to be coming out this fall, and it turns turns out it's an even more interesting album than than we thought it was going to be. It's it's called Autumn Variations. And these are solo performances of all the songs from his new albums recorded at surprise house concerts he's done during the year. He was he was going to people's houses, knocking on the door. Hi, I'm Ed. How you doing? Can I come in? And you know, if they had a piano, or he'd bring a guitar and he'd play these songs, and they'd be recorded. And so he's going to put this out as an album. I got to get a piano. That's why I think he would be a masked singer someday. A what singer? A masked singer. Oh, you know yeah. That show, oh, yeah. I could see him. He's one of the few of his stature mm. who I could see doing it just for the lark, just to amuse his kids. Yeah. Hi. You know, hi, Daddy was a dinosaur. You it's got yeah. it's to it's be in and out. Like, you got two hours. I have two hours to do this, and then I got to be gone. I'm not spending the two days here. Yeah, right? But it's. But it's cool. I, I haven't seen a release date for this autumn variation yet, but I, I think I think it's going to be kind of kind of a neat thing. So we had the in sync thing uh, at the uh, what MTV Music Awards, correct? And it was like, hey, you guys getting back together? Well, Justin Timberlake's planning a tour, but is he going to take those guys with him? You know, that's what everybody's hoping. Uh, you know, word came out briefly or quickly. After all this, that well, yeah, you know, everyone's talking reunion plans, this and that. But Justin's got a lot of stuff planned for next year, including apparently 
a major tour, and everybody's hoping that InSync will go with him, and it won't necessarily be an InSync tour, but they'll be the special guests during the show, you know, pop up, and they'll do a set of InSync. I don't know if I see that happening or not. That's a significant expense on Justin's part, you know, when he could just as easily be out there on his own. Does it so, sell any more tickets than he would sell on his yeah, own? Would, yeah, would, I think it would. I think it would, unless he has like a gangbuster album, uh, you know, and ready, ready to come. Because he, he still wasn't. He still do they all? Hot. Does he all go out and then just rearrange the the letters? Like called himself <laughs> like, CSNNY Cynic <laughs> or something like that. No, CSNY. <laughs> See, here's another thing you have to think about too. Justin clearly is going to have his dressing room now. Do all the guys from Insync get their own dressing room, or are they crammed into one Some dressing locker room? That right. That we'll have to see if yeah. it happens. We'll have to see. But, but you know, it is the difference really between a stadium tour and an arena tour. You know, if Justin Timberlake goes out, that's a solid arena show. Mm-hmm. If Insync's part of the package, that 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 makes it a stadium show. Elton John is downsizing. Yeah, he is. So he's been living. Uh, he's lived in Atlanta for a for a good long time. Uh, you know, he needed a base of operations in the United States. You know, when he was when he was touring, and he's built this uh, luxury uh, condo in Atlanta. He started with, I guess, one piece one piece of property, and and now and then he he bought up lots around it. So he now has this thirteen thousand plus square foot. Four bedroom, four full baths, three palatial bathrooms, a nine car garage. Uh, the and now he's trying to sell it. He, wow. wants, he wants to sell it for nearly five million dollars. Um, it's in it's in suburban Atlanta in uh, Peachtree's Heist. What's his decorating taste? Is he like Liberace? A lot of gold, a lot of drapes. Overdone, or is it Atlanta? It's so it's country, overdone. log cabiny look. It's, yeah. it's if Liberace had taste. <laughs> um, this, I think this is what you'd be looking at. Because don't forget, David Furnish, Elton's husband, has taste. Is <laughs> and so, does Elton, out- so does Elton, for that matter. I mean, yeah, it's been a long time since the duck suits. Did he go out and about around Atlanta? Was he yeah, ever spotted yeah, he was, in a Waffle House or something? I don't Did know he? about a Waffle House, but they went to sporting events. Yeah. You'd, see the, you'd see him taking the kids out to the movies and things like that. He lived in the I mean, he... He lived as a citizen in the city, which is wasn't yeah. just a waste a way station. But now it, it sounds like they're going to be based in England uh, with the with the kids, and so you know they don't need this place in Atlanta anymore. So for a cool five million or so, you you can have it for five million. I don't want to go in and have to remodel or redecorate. I want to go in and enjoy myself. But that's what somebody who doesn't have five million dollars says. Exactly. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows who buys it and. You know, I don't know if it's if Elton if it's Elton's place. I think you keep at least a couple of the rooms like it like they were. Heck yeah, mm. yeah. That's yeah. the whole point. Is it used to be Elton John's place, and I didn't change a thing. I had exactly. no idea he was in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's. I'm, you I know, would have thought if he was going to be in that part of the country, Miami would be his his maybe, place. Maybe yeah, but you know, I don't know. He found something he liked about Atlanta, and, and like I say, he's been there for a been there for a long, long time. And I guess when he did his final. You know, performance in Atlanta, the performance of the final tour. He did say, you know, very nice things about how much he loved the city, and he thanked thanked the people there for letting he and his family be there, 
and enjoy themselves. So, so it was a real relationship with that city. It seems like this is an evergreen. About once a year, every 18 months, the Richie Sambora getting back together Bon Jovi thing pops up, and it never happens. And well, it's popped up again. He was talking to Chris Shiflett, the Foo Fighters guitarist, on Shiflett's podcast. It's called Shred with Shifty. And he asked him you know, about the Bon Jovi thing, and Richie Zambora, after denying that there had been any talk earlier this year, came out and said, you know, we're talking about it. And, you know, he said it's, you know, basically there's demand for it, especially um, outside the U.S., and so he said, Richie Zambora says there's discussion. And, uh, you know, earlier this year, even though he denied that it would happen, he said, I could do it tomorrow if they asked me. So maybe it's real. Uh, we'll have to see. You know, he, he left the band in 2013, reunited with them in 2018 for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What are, are there hard feelings there? Um, there were, and I think those have been, those have been smoothed over. You know, I think, uh, they explain themselves to each other, and you know, I, th- I think the band would love to have him back. You know, that would that would certainly sell some tickets and sell some records. But you know, and I don't know what's keeping what's been keeping it from happening. If they other, took Richie Sambora on, let's say they go on a six-month, nine-month tour, what are the odds he doesn't implode in that? that I think th- I think they're good. the odds. I think the odds are good that he will see it through. He's in a much better place in his life now. You know, speaking of reunions. Yes. Mel B says Victoria Beckham is on board for a Spice Girls reunion. You know, okay, that's that's this week. If we were taking a shot every time we heard, our blood alcohol level would be be so screwed. Mm. Um, You know, take every Spice Girl thing with a grain of salt. See what I did there? Well, um, yes, yes, very good. Uh, you know, but it's, pump, it's uh, pumpkin spice season now, so if you could work that so in. We have pumpkin, there a pumpkin spice. spice. We'll work on Let's that for next week. Fat, but yeah, round girl. <laughs> you know, who knows? It, it, at times it feels inevitable, like why wouldn't they? But, you know, she's Victoria Beckham, not unlike Robert Plant with Led Zeppelin, words you never expect to say in the same sentence, uh, <laughs> you know, has drawn a pretty hard line that she she's done with the Spice Girls and that part of her life. It would, yeah, I, I understand. Well, you know who's not done? Bachman Turner Overdrive, BTO. Wow, this, is, this is kind of fun. Isn't They're going to get together with the Spice Girls? No. Hey, no yep. <laughs> <laughs> that would be noteworthy. That would be extre- <laughs> extremely no, no, noteworthy. Uh, well, what would it be? You know, you, you want to be rocking down the highway or something. Um, <laughs> Randy Bachman has announced new tour dates for Bachman Turner Overdrive. So far, they've announced only six including in Illinois, Missouri, Massachusetts, and California. Um, Fred Turner is involved, according to the press release, but in his own social media post, uh, Fred Turner said, I'm glad to hear Randy is going forward with Buckman Turner Overdrive. I'm sure it'll be great, a great venture, and we'll be watching and wishing you every success. So who knows how he's involved. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, the band will include Tal Bachman, Randy's son, had a hit of his own at one point and a couple other guys, but they're going to expand the tour from these six dates. And, uh, you know, you, you will, they'll be taking care of business in, into the new year. Sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think it'll be fun, you know, as long as it's, as long as there's a Bachman or a Turner, a Bachman or a Turner, yeah, in the band, it it, it works. I suppose. And uh, let's finish up with this one. Sammy Hagar has made a fortune on his tequila. Now, beer seems to be the next step. Yeah, he's becoming a uh, you know he. I guess you know most people you know start with beer and then move up. Uh, Sammy started with tequila, then rum, and now he now he's moving into beer. He's actually making it right here in Detroit. Uh, Red Rocker Lager, and it's going to be a Sammy Hagar branded beer that he says will uh, will pay tribute to the soul of Detroit rock and roll. Um, <laughs> he is launching it. I think you could use one of those right now. Yeah, I know. To wet I, your I whistle. I don't know where. I don't know where this. A came. Red Rocker Lager would take that cough away, Gary. I, I would hope so. <laughs> I was kind of hoping he'd just. Make it a parody of Sam Adams and call it Sam Hager, and you know that would be that would be pretty funny with a picture Post, of him yeah, on the yeah, front with the puffy shirt. Yeah, you know. but they're they're launching it October twenty third here in Detroit with a concert, and uh, and then they're rolling it out. So, all right, you know why not? I mean, he may as well have you may you may as well be able to go to an a bar that will be entirely Sammy Hagar branded. <laughs> yeah. Drink. Well, why not? If Sammy's around or Sammy's stuff is around, that's where the party is. Always. All right. Gary, we're out of time. All right. We will talk next week after a certain football game. Uh, We will. Right. It's on. All right. We'll talk to you then, Gary. Take it easy.